0: Original plan was to be a neuropsychologist. So I love all things brain related. And I use all of that information and years and years, decades really, of academia and personal experience and life itself to combine in a program that helps people have joy and confidence in the kitchen and beyond. Because I know that. When you can have joy and confidence with one thing, that's going to transmute out into other areas of your life. And you just have to start with one thing. And for me, I started with food because it was one thing that I could control. And I'm a chronic illness warrior. I was born with something called Fodder Syndrome. That's an acronym for a bunch of internal stuff that was wrong, organ-wise, neck down. And I actually didn't leave my mouth till I was almost four years old. And when I started to eat my mouth, I fell in love. And food became my avenue to normalcy, health, connection, passion, and joy. And I pretty much haven't stopped eating and cooking. What if
1: you were the living embodiment of all pervasive peace? What if all sentient beings all around you Increase their vibration towards harmony by merely being in your contact. What if through conscious reasoning, focused will, and intentional living, you reform yourself, thereby becoming a catalyst in sparking transformation in others? I'm Shilpa Lewis, meditation, mindset, and mindfulness coach for midlife mompreneurs. And you are listening to Omnipresent Awareness, the podcast that will inspire you to use your story to serve humanity in not just healing, but thriving as souls, each fulfilling their highest purpose. Namaste. Thanks for tuning in to Omnipresent Awareness. This is your host, Shilpa Lewis, and welcome back. Okay, so I'm running a little challenge as I'm trying to get more people to discover this podcast and the conversations that inspire those who value personal growth. And the best way to do that is to leave reviews. You can leave a review on Spotify, Google Podcast, or Apple Podcast. So here is a little request from me to you. If you feel like you have received any value at all from these episodes, then please write a little review and take a screenshot of your review. Once you've done that, email that screenshot to me at omnimindfulness at gmail.com. Once I get your screenshot, you will receive one of my infographics. Spark your meditation practice through Sankalpa. Sankalpa is the Sanskrit word for intention setting. Along with this, you will receive a link to my guided meditation where you can daily practice intention setting with some inspirational music and breath work. This infographic along with the guided meditation is guaranteed to have you start your practice for meditation with a spark. It is my gift for you for being a listener, being a supporter, and of course for you to be able to manifest the best meditation practice. So thank you for showing up, listening, and being inspired, and most importantly taking action. I appreciate you. So again, please don't forget to take a screenshot of your review and send it to omnimindfulness at gmail.com and I will send you that infographic and the link to the guided meditation. We are now in the season of Seeds of Abundance, which is our third podcast season honoring spring, new mindsets and abundance. The season will cover mindful money mindset movement and healing, law of attraction, and embracing the feminine energy. And up next, Sarah Peace. Sarah is a speaker, kitchen coach, and joyful life advocate. From birth, Sarah had learned to survive and thrive, having been born with a rare condition which required over 35 surgeries, paralyzed her vocal cords, and forced her to overcome PTSD. There was a time where Sarah could not eat, except through a feeding tube. But when Sarah had her first bite of food as a toddler, she observed that the conversations during meals created special bonds. While growing up in a foodie family, Sarah fell in love with food and connecting in the kitchen. She learned how to serve herself and others while gaining confidence through cooking. Since then, Sarah's made it her life mission to connect and create lasting bonds through food and stories. She is the founder of Joyful Delicious Kitchen Consulting, where she combines kitchen coaching with teaching how to live a joyful life through conscious choosing. Sarah believes her feminine power comes from her ability to choosing joy. In this podcast, Sarah shares stories of miracle over mayhem with warmth, wisdom, and authenticity. And now, here's Sarah. Sarah, so nice to have you here.
0: Thank you for having me, It's Such a joy to be
1: here. Well, it's such an honor to jump right in for the audience who may not be familiar with you and I. I'd like for them to know how you and
0: I met. And let's start from there. Wonderful. So we met in Awe Minosi's Soulful Speaker Incubator Group. It is an all-female speaker group and we have the best of the best of the best. And we met in there. Because all of us are warriors in that group with a thousand stories to tell, we're all complete warrior women. We love each other, support each other, learn and inspire one another every time we interact inside the group and out. And so it's just been an incredible blessing because I've gotten to, to connect with you, Shilpa, and of course our wonderful soulful speaker sisters. That's how we know.
1: Absolutely, and. Why don't you share a little bit about your story? Okay, so obviously
0: we, I have a, a big story and many stories, but we only have this much time, and therefore I'll share like the cliff notes and the highlights. So I'm Sarah, I am a kitchen coach, speaker, and author, and to be completely honest, I'm in the face of transitioning because I realized that things are changing in the world, right? We're in a post-pandemic world, or current pandemic depending on where you are in the world and while my passion and joy and expertise remain with food and cooking and helping my clients get joy and confidence in the kitchen I realized that I also want to reach people that don't like to cook that don't care about food that aren't foodies that are just living their lives and having trouble finding that joy and that confidence and that faith to live their life and so I'm kind of doing a little bit of both right now I'm in transition historically I've been a kitchen coach I have a degree in psychology. I went for my doctorate degree, actually, in clinical psychology. My original plan was to be a neuropsychologist. So I love all things brain-related, and I use all of that information in years and years, decades, really, of academia and personal experience and life itself to combine in a program that helps people have joy and confidence in the kitchen and beyond. Because I know that when you can have joy and confidence with one thing, that's going to transmute out into other areas of your life. And you just have to start with one thing. And for me, I started with food because it was one thing that I could control. And I'm a chronic illness warrior. I was born with something called fodder Syndrome. That's an acronym for a bunch of internal stuff that was wrong, organ-wise, neck down. And I actually didn't eat my mouth. I was almost four years old and when I started to eat my mouth I fell in love and food became my avenue to normalcy health connection passion and joy and I pretty much haven't stopped eating and cooking since
1: in that joy tr- it comes through on so many levels not only the intellectual beauty that you hold which I am in love with because I'm a geek at heart And just, you radiate that beauty, and it comes out, and your story, because I've heard it, is profound. The term that you used that applies to what condition you had, could you share that again?
0: Yes. It is not a very well-known disease or syndrome. Nobody knows what causes it, and it's called VATER or VACTREL, so it's V-A-T-E-R, which is what I have, or V-A-C-T-R-E-L. And obviously, there's a, some more letters over here that I was very fortunate not to have. But people with water slash are born premature, with missing organs, disconnected organs. In my case, it was a disconnected esophagus. Some are born with clubbed hands and feet. Some are born with heart problems or uh, missing parts of their spine or an extended spine. In my case, I have scoliosis. And... So it's a lifelong chronic illness that you can overcome and live with, but you have to accommodate. I don't like the, physically, I don't like the idea of like limitations. I I call them required accommodations. And so I'm currently in my late 30s, almost 40, excited about that. But I have required accommodations and I always will. But that being said, Many people with water never live independently. They never live unattached to machines. They never walk on their own. They never eat. And I'm doing all of that. And I'm so enormously blessed and thankful. And because of that, I live from a place, not only of joy, but of gratitude. Because on your darkest day, there's always something to be thankful for. If you're breathing, that's something to be thankful for. Absolutely.
1: One of the things I know about you, you're fully embodied in your life. You speak with such precision and in- intelligence. You use your voice to make a difference. So share a little bit more about what you've been doing with your beautiful voice and making a difference in this world. Thank you,
0: I appreciate that. So yeah, this is my voice. I forgot, I, I don't think about it, which is good, but I sound like this all the time. In fact, if I do get a cold, which isn't often, That's when I'm louder and clearer. I don't understand. Go figure. All right. I am perfectly healthy today and I have paralyzed vocal cords because, so just real quick, um, when they were fixing my esophagus, they nicked my lung. And then because I don't have all of my lung, they had to put a tracheotomy in me, which is a tube that helps you breathe and it goes down your throat. And I had that for almost three years. And so it paralyzed my vocal cord. So when a A a normal person speaks, they do this. And when I speak, I do this. And it's a little bit slower. But there again, I'm speaking. And I am living proof that miracles happen and that your greatest pain can become your greatest purpose. And I know that's such a cliche and such a tagline, but it's the truth. Because for so many years, Shilpa, I hated my physical voice. And I was bullied every day, every single day of my life. I was bullied. And sometimes when I go out, I still am on the receiving end of intense cruelty and and completely the opposite of kind. People make assumptions. People tell me to go home. People tell me I shouldn't be out. People feel like they can give me recommendations of how to like fix my voice. And so because of that experience with my physical voice, I think it's helped me have a really big inner voice that I'm really attuned to. And not every day. I mean I'm human, I'm not perfect. I've been known to ignore it and then end up in a heap of trouble, but that's another story for another day. That being said, I speaking found me actually during the shutdown. And I fell in love with it. And now I love my voice. And I I love the way it sounds. I, I'm not saying I like to like listen to myself speak. I actually don't. But I love like how it sounds and I love that it's different and I love that it's unique and I love that it makes people kind of tune in. And not even to me, because it's really not about me. It's about serving the higher powers and it's about bringing people in alignment with their own truth and their own faith, however they see that. And it's about doing that in my case, again, going back to the joy and the gratitude and the confidence.
1: Absolutely. And I, from what I know of you and having engaged with you in deeper conversations, I sense that this, I would say it's, it's been part of your journey, your entire life. It's probably um, on a more metaphorical level shaped you into the individual that you are. And when you are describing the The cruelty of other human beings the assumptions that they make on some level it's probably helped you gain even more empathy for others and the ability to tune into not only your own body emotionally physically mentally but
0: also tune into others absolutely because i really do believe that hurting people hurt people and i try again i'm not perfect i I I have a life and I have relationships and I don't always do a say the right thing by any means, but I do try to be kind and I've learned, um, speaking about being feminine, I, I can stand up for myself without annihilating someone else and that's a skill and I've learned it and I've honed it. I didn't have it in my younger years, but it's important because I never wanted to give it back to whatever they were giving because I I think, you know, the old term, darkness begets darkness, hate begets hate. And I just, I think it's important to be kind. I think we're all, every single one of us, even if you've never had a surgery, you've never had something medical, you know, we all face battles. And most of them the world knows nothing about. Sometimes even our closest friends and family don't know. And so when someone is unkind to me or even cruel, I try and put myself in their position and think, okay, well, they must be fighting a battle that maybe they don't even know about, or they're not ready to talk about or share or haven't accepted or are struggling with. And okay, I don't need to add to it. I don't need to add fuel to their fire. I do have a limit though. And I've realized that just because I don't need to be mean back doesn't mean I need to take it either.
1: Yeah, and that, that even ties back to the feminine energy of recognizing your own energy as, um, you know, it doesn't even have to have the label feminine versus masculine. It, it is the energy each of us is divinely endowed with as a human being and recognizing that with that energy comes a responsibility, not only to ourselves, but how we engage with others. And that, that's not something that's come easy. Even in, yeah. I tend to be more of the sensitive type and I've dealt with my share of bullies my entire life, (laughs) you know, and it wasn't until even recently that when I started getting deeper in the world of mindfulness and meditation, in my own training, that I recognized, there's this term called grounding, are you grounded, you know, and when you are engaging with others, recognizing, and I think of the the tree metaphor, like the beautiful, firmly planted tree, if you were going to that, towards that tree, and I don't try to an- annihilate a tree, <laughs> trying to take that energy. Is a tree going to move its roots? Is it going to do something? No, it's it's firmly no. there. We have a bunion-type tree in our front yard. It's digging its roots right into our piping system. <laughs> 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 but <laughs> all metaphors aside, it's just that that's the um, energy that I almost feel like, as whether it's feminine or masculine, but it's that energy. Each of us has endowed with us naturally.
0: Yes, and I think, you know, not to go on a negative do you know, whatever that word is, but I think as we get older, at least myself, when you become more sure of your own energy, like you're saying, and you get firmer into your own roots, whatever those roots may be, for me, that's joy, that's gratitude, that's confidence, that's godliness, I call it confidence. You know, that's my family, my friends, my faith, food, cooking, all of that, speaking now. Um, When you really get into your root, you're less swayed by others. And I think when we're younger, we kind of just absorb everything. And then we turn around and go, wait a minute, hold on. That being said, um, I definitely believe in grounding. It's super important. And it's something that I actually do. I don't meditate every morning. Uh, but I ground myself several times throughout my day. In fact, I put breaks in between most of what I have to do. For the most part, it's like an exceptional day, but I put, you know, breaks. I put stops. And at first I did it for my physical health, Mm -hmm. and I physically just can't go and go and go and go and go and go. But as I got older, I realized, oh, that's good mentally, emotionally, and spiritually as well. Because it's like a rest, And I stop and I check in. And I ground myself. And as far as people's cruelty, there's so much of it. And I just, it hurts my heart. Like, I don't watch the news because I can't, I can't handle it. And it hurts my heart. And I just don't want to hurt others. You know, because I know what that's like. And yet, I also don't want to indulge the cruelty. I don't want to perpetuate it by giving it back. And I also... Sometimes I don't want to let it pass because I think sometimes people don't know better and we can't do better until we know better. And so if someone's open to it, depending on the energy in my day, and if I have the time, because you know, sometimes we're running 100 miles an hour, I will stop and talk to the person and be like, you know, I was born this way and I have paralyzed focal cords and you, know, you really shouldn't talk to people like that or something along those lines. And on occasion, if they don't stop, I've been known to, like, walk away. I don't even say anything. I just literally do an about face and walk away. Because sometimes that's all you can do.
1: Absolutely. And what I'm hearing from you is that by allowing yourself to walk away, you're taking ownership of that energy. And this is where the feminine part does come in, though, because you are recognizing that there is a level of empathy that you're capable of Yes. displaying and you're, you're, you're allowing yourself consciously to say I'm going to give you this energy I will engage with you on this feminine level which to me means more of that
0: softer more yes. empathy driven yes. and I I think a lot of it also is um, you know being feminine is soft and caring and tender and so allowing ourselves to be ambushed, bullied, on the receiving end of rudeness, ki- unkindness, anger and cruelty, that's not feminine. To just haphazardly keep receiving it, receiving it, receiving it. It's not. So sometimes it's the most feminine thing to do to go, you know, I'm walking away. Yeah. And I've never thought about it like that until this day conversation. So thank you for teaching me. I love to learn. And seriously, sometimes that's just as feminine. I totally agree. You don't have to give it back. You don't even have to explain yourself. I'm in a season, personally, with some other things in my life where I'm going to explain myself once. If you don't want to receive it, and you don't want to accept it, or you can't, and that's okay, no judgment, I have better things to do. I'm a grown woman. I know who I am. And that's not how I want to spend my time or expend my energy. I'm more than happy to explain myself. If I mess up, I'll totally apologize. Um, if I'm wrong, I'll admit it. If I'm right, I know I'm right and I don't have to prove it to you. Yes, I agree
1: on that one. And uh, to the point of when you were talking about having that new perspective on the feminine energy, one thing that occurred to me more intuitively just this morning, as I shared with you before we started recording, is I've had this funk, you know, for a few days where I'm off This morning, as I was having this inner dialogue about it, I was reminded, though, that in order to be empathetic and give that energy to others, I need to first give it to myself.
0: Because, uh,
1: you know, because you were giving, you're sharing that earlier, like, there are people that come into both of our lives that show the lack of capacity. And I think sometimes it's because either they're unconscious or conscious of something that's happening to them around them and they have not built a capacity to manage that energy it's all energy and so when it comes to the feminine part of our, ourselves and the feminine energy it's not only about keeping us ourselves grounded and knowing our boundaries but also knowing when to give that energy back to ourselves
0: yeah i could not agree more and i'm actually doing that consciously every day i've noticed in the last, well, since I turned 38, actually, I, my birthday is two days before Christmas, I'm Christmas Eve Eve, um, so, literally, like, I, I, I turned 38, and I suddenly wanted to really embrace my feminine energy, because I'm such a fighter, like, I've had to fight, right, and um, I just, I've worn my hair down more this year, I've, you know, I usually do my nails, and lately, I've wanted, like, softer fabrics and nicer smelling things and just more soft excuse me softness and embracing because again I think the world is harsh enough and I think that's almost why collectively globally we are seeing the shift for like this this yearning for more feminine energy because it's such an upside down harsh world at times and so I think we just kind of need more and more of that and tapping into it yourself. Yes, like, I do that by drinking tea, by doing my makeup, by doing my nails, by making time for my girlfriend, you know, my best friend. I do that by making time to be around kids. So it's different for everybody, right? But I think, yes, harnessing your own feminine energy and being firm in it. Because I don't think feminine energy has to always do this. You know, it can be a soft and stable light that's just there. And it doesn't have to rain, but it can be just as stable and it can be there and just a little bit softer. You know what I mean?
1: I absolutely agree. So Sarah, when you talked about the softer feminine energy, I'm glad you brought that up because often there's a certain connotation around the term feminine energy. It's like feminism. I'm more coming from the spiritual perspective of the feminine energy, and even men have that energy in them.
0: Yeah, and I couldn't agree more. I am of the belief that God created both, and I don't think God makes, in my personal opinion, God doesn't make mistakes. By the way, just as an aside, that's my comeback. If someone isn't gonna like stop being cool about my voice or anything around anyone, I'll just be like, hey, God doesn't make mistakes. To the feminine energy. Now, it's not about feminism. It's not about being men at all. It's not about, it's just not about that. It's just about being, again, confident and joyful in who you are and what you bring to the table and into everyday life. And femininity to me is extremely strong, but strong. And it's extremely vulnerable, but strong. And I grew up with my mother and my grandmother. And, you know, I don't think that this is big enough for three strong-headed women, <laughs> speaking from experience. But I learned how to be around really powerful feminine women, especially my grandmother. My grandmother was, she got me into the hair and the makeup at like two and three, you know? And I think that people so, so often misconstrue being feminine, with hating men. That's not what it's about
1: at all. And it's interesting. I learned to embrace or appreciate intuition, appreciate giving it credibility. Yeah. Let me put it this way. I was not embracing the feminine energy at some point as much as I wanted to or needed to, to then give value to intuition and value to the softer side. And sometimes the universe teaches you what you need at the right time, and, or you know, when you work with children, I've seen pictures of you with your niece, and when when you are connected with other younger souls, it, it allows you to bring that out because there's lack of judgment,
0: they're children, they're softer. They are, and yet, mm-hmm. just say whatever, but it's not usually coming from a malicious way. You know, like when a child asks me, why do you sound like that? I have no problem explaining, and most of them go, okay, and go back to what they were doing. And I understand the question because I do sound different. And who'd say I wouldn't ask? I don't ask, by the way, if someone that different in a wheelchair just because it's probably not my business. But that being said, like, I don't mind the question because to me, it's a bridge for connection, which is very feminine. And I love children. I don't have my own children. I have a fur baby, but I don't have a human. And children are the light of my life. And I'm the auntie. I'm the godmother, and I love children. And so, even on the days when I'm in my more masculine energy and like, you know, get stuff done and blah blah take on the world and check the boxes, you put me around a kid, and it's like, I'm soft and I'm gentle and I'm feminine. And so, I think on that note, what I want to say here, and this just came to me, is maybe a new definition for feminine energy is. How do you treat someone or something, be it a child, animal, an adult, yourself for that matter? A living being that cannot do for themselves or help themselves. Because if you can come at that with softness and tenderness and care and kindness and yet know what to do, that's pretty dang feminine, if you ask me.
1: Another thing that just came to me was given our connection started with the group we're in, where it's soulful women giving each other the support they need so that we can share our stories. And it could be just not one story, it could be any story, but having the safe space to share it, that leans into this concept of feminine energy. Because that voice that you just mentioned, having that voice, it's coming not as a physical vocal cord thing it's it's coming from the inside there's there's that spirit or soul part of you that's coming out and it's connecting with another human being but on a feminine energy level in the sense that it's more softer it's more intuitive and that energy also exist in men it's not that it's just a male female thing yes and you know
0: there are many wonderful male caregivers out there and men in you know other professions that are typically feminine jobs so They do have it, but, uh, you know, obviously, we were great from the moment we came out. And I've always been a girly girl. I've always loved being a girl. I've always loved, like, when I was a little girl, my mom had to beg me to wear pants. Like, I would not put on pants. You know, I love, like, typically stereotypical, side, feminine things, but for me, because I'm a strong personality, and I've been told that I have a big presence, it's even more important for me to tap into my because like as really strong women who take on the world and do work, everything and wear the hats and work and cook and clean and mother and lover and friend and sister and daughter and here and there like we do so much all the time, right? That's so easy I think for me at least to forget time to be feminine. But when we're feminine it's thing, and it's kind of like we come back to our center and our, you know, get aligned with that and our more feminine softer roots. And then, like, go back and be better at all that we choose to do.
1: Oh yes, and I have been embracing that more recently. As we were talking about, we're both wearing pink. I ninety yeah. percent of my wardrobe is all black. Having been in corporate, or whatever reason, it's some of it's feminine, but it's mostly just monochromatic colors. And I am now learning that you know what you you absorb that energy of what you're wearing. True. I mean, there's studies being done about that, and I bring in that feminine energy more and recognize the fact that it gives us, it allows us to heal, if that makes any
0: sense. It completely does, and I actually studied color psychology and I greatly, greatly believe in it, and I, I I, love color, and I love blue, and I do wear a lot of black, because it's easy, you know, and it goes with everything, but there are days I get up and I'm like, I'm not supposed to wear black today, you know, so then like I'll wear brown or white. I love orange. I love orange as well. You know my story show, but um, just a little tidbit for people that haven't heard it. The very first food that I ever put in my mouth at three and a half, almost four years old, three out of four of them were orange. And I still have an affinity for orange food. And orange. In the last few years, I've realized that I actually look pretty good in orange. And so now it's one of my favorite colors to wear. And I have a lot of it in my wardrobe. And colors also like you said, they help me heal. They're different thinner than our bodies and meridians and all of that. But definitely it's hard. I can understand what you're saying to be dressed in all black around, you know, corporate environments and male energy and find that femininity. So bravo to you. That's awesome. And you look great in me, by the
1: way. Oh, thank you. Thank you. Yeah, it took me quite a few years to realize that to be
0: embracing it doesn't mean I'm weak. A- at all. No, it does not. And... For me, in my journey in life, I had 35 surgeries, and I, for me personally, I've stuffed a lot of life into my life, and I believe like that. So when we're not making time for our truest self, and as women, we are inherently feminine, whether we make time for it or not, then we out of balance. And I've found that the older I get, I personally have never in my life, not once, anywhere, ever, for five minutes or the almost 40 years I've been here, I've met a weak woman, not once, not once. Yeah, absolutely.
1: Absolutely. And some of that strength is often hidden. Yes. And what you and I have learned is that w- when women are given a voice, the opportunity to express, yes. there's an ocean of energy that comes through of stories
0: that were hidden. Yeah. Uh, and in fact, in, in the incubator this morning, we were just talking about all the stories we have that we haven't even said to each other, you know, it, and, and everyone has a story. I don't want to, again, I know this is a conversation about femininity, so most of the audience is gonna be women, but I'm not knocking men and, and they have stories. Don't get me wrong. Every human being alive has a story or a But you're right, when women are given the platform to share their voice and share their stories, there's this divine connection and understanding and love that happens. And I think that's the way that we're craving in this world and that we're needing is connection and bridging the gap between all of our differences because we're still different, you know? And that's what makes us so wonderful. Yes,
1: I'm like getting goosebumps just hearing that last part. Thinking of my mom and when she went through what she did in her life journey, she may not have even known how to articulate because, and I'm not saying she was not a good communicator, but th- those stories came with such vulnerability and challenges that there's a generation of women who would have healed had they been given the voice
0: to share. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. And can I can I offer a little tidbit about that in like one minute? Okay. So my own mother had a very has had a very life and she's high and strong. And she's now in her sixties. In fact, she'll be she's closer to 70 as of next week, which is amazing. And she has never been given the chance until her 60s to really express her journey and what she's been through and all the things that she's seen and heard and learned. And now she is learning when she doesn't like something, she can say so. And she can say, I don't like this or I don't prefer this. I'm going to do it this way. And again, it's not about, you know, giving the middle finger in life. Because when I was younger, she would just come in and do something behind me and I hated it. But now it's like a conversation. So she's going about it in a more feminine way. And she's inspiring me to do the same. And so I think one tip about embracing your femininity is ask or state what you need, not even what you want, you know, because wants change, right? But, like, if you need to go use the bathroom, go use the bathroom. If you need a drink of water, take a sip of water. It's that simple. It's nurturing. It's caring. That's feminine energy. And we have to nurture and care for ourselves so that we can do it for others. Yes.
1: Feminine thing. It is a feminine thing. I think that there's a lesson there. And there's so many... Lessons on it not only a spiritual level but also just matter of life. Like we keep hearing about self care this in this world, but self care maybe it could be called fueling your feminine energy, and that could be even for men. It's a Sunday. Yeah. Well, Sarah, I would like to wrap up with the last question for young women in particular. What insight would you give to them on not only embodying but embracing? Feminine energy. I
0: would take care of yourself, however, not in a selfish way, but make sure your basic needs are met and try to fulfill most of your emotional needs. And you'll learn what those are, you get older. That's just what life teaches you. When you're younger, don't return anger and cruelty and hatred with the same thing. If you can't be kind, find an alternative. And... Not everybody is deserving of your kindness. And so sometimes like we spoke about earlier, not giving it is the most kind thing you can do and be kind to yourself. And then also the number one thing that I would say for younger women is don't let the world make you harsh. That's a conscious decision. And sometimes you have to make that decision 10 times a day. Okay. (laughs) But Mm -hmm. don't make you harsh because it will try. It will try. And harshness, is not feminine. So be kind to others, be kind to yourself, take care of yourself, know yourself, and don't let the world make you harsh.
1: Absolutely. What you've been through, some people would say, oh, I I can justify my harshness because of, oh, the surgeries or the cruelties of, of others. But as long as I've known you, if you if you had not shared any of those stories, I would have just thought of Sarah as a soft, intellectual, supportive friend.
0: Thank you, an intellectual feminine, by my opinion. So, I don't think we need to walk around pretending like we don't know anything.
1: And I've always embraced that about myself.
0: I'm always like, I'm an intellect, and I like that about well, me. You are incredibly intelligent, and incredibly very, very soft in in a good way, in a quiet strength kind of way. One thing I want to mention before we go, and this will also help younger women, is even if it's not a one-on-one mentor, find an older woman, older than you. It doesn't have to be, you know, older, older, just older than you, that you admire and that you want to be like when you grow up. You know, because for me, the women that I know, women now in their 70s and 80s, they're gorgeous, they're lively, they're vibrant, they're feminine, and they're quietly strong. That's that's the epitome of feminine. Thank you so much for having me. It's been such a joy and an honor and a privilege and a pleasure.
1: It's been such a joy and pleasure as well. And just on that note of it, that is the epitome of the feminine energy. That is why I created this podcast. I longed to have a mentor my entire life. And I had to learn things the hard way when I, yeah. (laughs) And I, I still don't think I necessarily have. The mentors I would like in life. My feminine group with you is, you know, we're mentorships to one another. Having a mentor will save you with so many life challenges yes. and navigating. It will maybe even save you from becoming harsh.
0: Yes, yes. And the, the, the most wonderful example of that, I knew a woman who is a little bit older. and. Um, her parents were taken out of this earth in an atrocious way, atrocious way. And she forgave. And she literally, if you meet her, like there's just love and light and forgiveness. And uh, when I met her and I spent time with her, I was just like, well, that that is, that is the most feminine thing in the world. And I don't know if I'm capable of that. And I hope I never have to do that. But the point is, yeah, like, Get a mentor for sure. Yes. Yes. (laughs) Thank you.
1: Thank you. Thank you for your journey. Thank you for the vulnerability. Thank you for your strength and your intellect.
0: Thank you, Shelpa. You as well. Blessing.
1: Blessings. Thanks again for tuning in. Check out the links in the description and please subscribe, follow. And share and continue to be omnipresent.